All righty. Well, we're going to turn our Bibles this morning to the book of Joshua. Uh, Lord willing, my plan is for the next three weeks coming up to Missions Conference, we're going to be in the book of Joshua. Uh, you know, I looked at this initially, kind of studying this out, looking at conquering the new land, coming in and, and, and conquering land for God and reaching, reaching the lost and doing what God wants us to do in this Christian life. And, and we'll see how these, these messages develop over the, over the coming weeks. But I enjoy Joshua. I enjoy this book. It's such a practical and powerful uh, book. One, one uh, life circumstance after another that is applicable to you and I. Things that we can look at and say, wow, that's fitting to me, that's applicable to me. It's something that I've dealt with or that I'm going to be dealing with. And, and you know, these real life uh, stories of what took place with God's people through God's direction. And uh, just to bring you up to speed in chapter number one, uh, just to refresh your memory. I'm sure you guys know these things about the book of Joshua, but God calls Joshua in chapter number one. God calls him. God uh, empowers him. He says, hey, I'm going to be with you like I was with Moses. He actually gives him three promises there in the Joshua chapter number one as he calls him and commissions him to do the job that he has for him to do. In chapter two, um, they have a, a covert action. You know, the spies, they go in to spy out Jericho and they look at the land of Jericho and they meet Rahab. And uh, they are able to recognize her faith. And uh, Rahab, of course, saves the spies and helps them escape from the city safely. And she hangs that uh, scarlet rope in the window. And her and all that are in her house are saved because of their, their belief and their obedience. And then in chapter number three, we have the crossing of the Jordan River. Uh, what a great victory uh, that God brought them through. And I exhort and encourage you, everybody needs to have a crossing of the Jordan River, coming over into the promised land and, and experiencing the Christian life. Then in chapter number four, there's a great celebration, a uh, great memorial service, a time of setting up stones and remembering and celebrating what God did. And it's important to think about and remember what God did. Amen. To, to acknowledge that and say, man, this is what God did for me. And we talked a little bit about that in Sunday school. Not only has he saved our soul, but he continually, day by day, uh, his mercy is renewed. And his grace is sufficient in our lives. And we praise God for those things. And they have a great celebration in chapter number four. They get to chapter number five and there's a consecration that takes place. They consecrate themselves to holy to God. Egypt is left behind. The world is gone. We're not going to participate that in anymore. And you know what? Every Christian ought to come to that place in their life where they say, you know what? The world had a hold on me and, 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 and Satan had his grips in me. And I used to run with that crowd and do those things. But hey, there's been a great change. Since Jesus came into my heart and I'm going to let those things go and I'm going to consecrate myself. I'm going to dedicate myself to serve and do only what God wants me to do and fulfill his will for my life. I hope you've come to that place in your life. It doesn't mean you're going to be perfect. Doesn't mean you won't make mistakes. Doesn't mean old Satan won't trip you up. But that process of consecration where you commit yourself to God, what it is, it's a matter of saying, hey, this is the direction I'm headed. And we say here at Hunt Valley Baptist Church that God is less concerned with where you are as he is with the direction you're headed. Every one of us here have found ourselves in a place where we said, man, I don't know how I got here. I don't know how this happened to me. This is not my plan. This is not what I intended. I, I was never planning to be involved in this. 
The thing is, just don't stay there. Just turn back towards God and head towards Him, and God's going to be excited, thrilled about that, that place of consecration. And then in chapter 6, we have the conquest, the conquering of this great city of Jericho. God's people that have come here this morning, I pray and hear that, that God will, that you will hear from God. My plan today, my desire is that each and every one of us here will hear God, believe God, and obey God. That is the process of victory that we see take place in this passage. You see, a group of people that heard from God, they believed that with God it was possible, and they obeyed and went and did it. That's what we want to see this morning as we get into the Word of God. Would you look at Joshua chapter 6? The first thing we see here is God gives them some directions. In Joshua chapter 6, verse 1 and 2, he says, Now Jericho <coughs> was straightly shut up because of the children of Israel. None went out and none came in. And the Lord said unto Joshua, See, I have given into thy hand Jericho and the king thereof and the mighty men of valor. First of all, God's power was assured to them. God's power was assured. He said, listen, I have given you the victory. I have assigned for you this land, this promised land. And Jericho, although the walls are great and all the city is well defended, I want you to know, Joshua, children of Israel, I want you to know I've given you this land. God's power to do this was assured unto them. God told them, I've given you the victory. This land is yours. God had the authority and the power to say it. You know, Psalms 24, verse number 1 says, The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, and the, the world and all they that dwell therein. Matthew 28, 18 says, And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and earth. Can I tell you this morning that when God says that you can do it, you can do it. When God says that he's given you the power to accomplish it, you've got the power to accomplish it. You've got the word of God on it and he has all power and all things belong to him. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills and he owns the hills that the cattle are running on. Amen. That's the God we serve. His power was assured unto them. I want you to know that anything God has told you to do, he has the authority and he has the power to enable you to do it. What I want you to realize this morning, beloved, is that when we go into a conflict, we do so from a place of victory, not to win victory. There's a lot of truth right there. When you enter the conflict, you do so from a place of victory, not to win victory. God has already won the victory. God has already defeated the foe. God has already promised you the victory. You're entering the conflict from a place of victory because God is on your side and we are on the winning side. Amen. Amen. The battle is the Lord's and he is already as one. 
as you look at the walls that might be big. They might be strong, but God has given you the victory. The walls might as well not even be there because God had already won. Oh, the children of Israel looked at the walls that were in front of them. They said, man, how are we going to defeat that city? How are we even going to get in there? What are, we, what are we going to do? But the walls might as well have not even been present. And this morning I want to preach to you on this message here from this passage of Scripture on taking down the walls. Taking down the walls that are in front of you. That thing that stands between you and the victorious Christian life, that thing that's keeping you from being all that God wants you to be, that thing that is keeping you from experiencing and having the revival God wants you to have. Oh, Satan has put up some walls. Maybe you've put up some walls. Maybe some, some friends or some foes or this world has put up some walls. There's things that you look at and you say, man, I could do so much except there's this wall in the way. There's this barrier. There's this, this, this thing that I can't deal with. I want you to know that God can deal with it. God can and wants to tear down those walls. The walls might as well not even been there. As you look at the mighty men that oppose you, they might as well not even be there because the victory is the Lord's and he has already given the victory. His power was assured. We see God's plan was assigned to them in verses 3, 4, and 5. He says, look in the word of God with me. He says, and ye shall compass the city, all ye men of war, and go round about the city once. Thus shalt thou do six days, and seven priests shall bear before the ark seven trumpets of ram's horns. And the seventh day ye shall compass the city seven times, and the priests shall blow with the trumpets. And it shall come to pass that when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, and when ye hear the sound of the trumpet, all the people shall shout with a great shout, and the wall of the city shall fall down flat, and the people shall ascend up every man straight before him. God had given them a plan for victory. Can I tell you that God has a plan for you? God has a plan for your life. God has a plan for you to be victorious. You can choose to follow God's plan or go your own way. But if you want to experience that life that God has laid out for you, you've got to follow the plan. If you want to pull down and take down those walls, you've got to do it the way God said to do it. These men of war here, they may have thought, well, this would be far more efficient. I mean, we're just going to be walking around the city. It would be far more efficient for us to get some ropes and heave a grappler over the wall and let's all get on there. I mean, there's two million of us. Surely we could pull a section of the wall down. Come on, Joshua, what are you thinking? But see, God had given them a plan. God says, here's how I want you to do it. The men of war were to compass the city and to go around it one time for six days. And on, this, on the seventh day, they were to do it seven times. Seven priests were to bear the seven trumpets of the ram's horns and go before the Ark of the Covenant. Beloved, I want you to know the Ark of the Covenant was a symbol of the presence of God. It was to be in the middle in the center of everything that they were doing. I want you to know that as a church and in your life, God's going to be the focal point. His presence has got, his power has got to be there. His presence has got to be there. They could have thought, well, you know what? We're just going to leave the Ark of the Covenant. I mean, after all, it's heavy. 
We want to protect it. We want to keep it safe. We're just going to leave that in the camp. Then they would have been out there marching around the city all by themselves. And they wouldn't have had God. One of the reasons that so many churches struggle is because they're out there marching around the city by themselves. Beloved, we need God in this thing. We need God in the midst. Everything that we do has got to be sure that the focal point is God, Jesus Christ, and Him crucified. If it's not bringing honor and glory to God, we don't need to be doing it. If it's not furthering the cause of Christ and the mission of reaching the world with the gospel, then we don't need to do it. We've got to keep the main thing the main thing. Christ has to be central, not just in church, but in our own lives. I wonder if the pastor dropped by your house, would you have to hide the magazines? Would you have to change the channel? Would you have to take some things setting out around the living room and say, oh, I I don't want pastor to see that. Friend, God has already seen it. God has already seen it. Why are we so concerned about what another man thinks and not concerned about what God thinks? Is God central in your life? Does he hold a high priority, a position Above all else, beloved, God has a plan for your life. First, he wants you to accept the gift of his son for salvation. That's the beginning of the plan. I hope each and every one of you here this morning know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and you've been forgiven by putting your faith and trust in Christ and what he did for you on the cross. If you've done that, then I want you to know that God wants you to glorify him in all that you do. Can you honestly say that all you do glorifies God? I'm saying really look at your life. Ponder and think about the actions and the things that we are doing. Are we doing all that we do to glorify God? His plan, beloved, includes growth as a Christian. Are you growing as a Christian? Are you taking steps of faith? Are you stronger today than you were yesterday or last week or last year? Are you growing as a Christian? Are you reading more of the Bible this year than you did last year? Are you giving more to God or to missions or the work of Christ than you did in the past? Are you more faithful to God's house this year than you were last year? We're supposed to be growing. Beloved, if you've been saved for 10, 15, 20, or 30 years, and you're in the same place spiritually as you were 15, 20 years ago, There's a problem. You're supposed to be growing. You know what? I'm not getting on to you this morning. I'm trying to help you. You see, it's not about about where you're at. It's about the direction you're headed. And I'm saying if you're not growing, start growing. You see, you can change that right now. You can begin to be more faithful to God's house. 
You can begin to read more of God's word than you used to. You can begin to spend more time in prayer than you used to. You can begin to ponder and think about spiritual things more than you used to. You can begin to put God first. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. You can put God in his rightful place starting today. God has a plan for your life. If you want to tear down those walls, you got to do it. His plan includes obedience to him. We see Israel's deference in verses 6 through 16. And for the sake of time, we're not going to read them all. But deference, beloved, is respectful submission and yielding to the will of another. The respectful submission and yielding to the will of another. We see them yield to God's will here. You see, they heard and now they're going to obey. They're yielding to God. We see Joshua's attention to detail in verse number 6. And Joshua the son of Nun called the priests and said unto them, Take up the ark of the covenant and let seven priests bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark of the Lord. And he goes on, but he gives to them exactly what he was told. God came and said, here's what I want you to do. And Joshua went to them and said, hey, here's what God said to do. He relays God's message. He tells them exactly what God told him to do. He, he pays attention to the little detail. He laid it out just as God laid it out for him. You know, God is concerned about the little things, the little details. It is the little foxes that destroy the vine. It is the little things many times that disrupt the Christian's life. Oh, the Christian who's striving to please the Lord is not going to get derailed by, by some big battle because our guard's up and we're ready for the big battle. Oh, but Satan comes in and little thing and says, hey, just don't pray today. You'll be okay. After all, you're a strong Christian. It's the little things. Joshua paid attention to the little details. Beloved, if you'll treat the little things like big things, then God will involve you in the big things. We see the, the priest and the people's application of what was said in verses 7 through 16. Let's just look at a couple of these verses. Let's look at verse number 7. He says, And he said unto the people, Pass on and compass the city, and let him that is armed pass on before the ark of the Lord. And it came to pass when Joshua had spoken unto the people that the seven priests bearing the seven trumpets of ram's horns passed on before the Lord and blew the trumpets and the ark of the covenant of the Lord followed them. So we see Joshua said, hey, here's what you're supposed to do. And the people said, okay, and they started doing it. Look down at verse number 14. He says, in the second day, they compassed the city once and returned to the camp. So they did six days. And it came to pass on the seventh day that they rose early about the dawning of the day and compassed the city after the same manner seven times. Only on that day did they compass the city seven times. And it came to pass that the seventh time when the priest blew the trumpets, Joshua said unto the people, Shout, for the Lord has given you the city. <clears throat> you know, the people applied what they were told. The New Testament says it this way. We are to be doers of the word, right? Not just hearers only. Man, we come in on Sunday morning and the man of God preaches a powerful and dynamic message. Amen? Amen. Yeah. Well, I tried. 
He preaches the word of God and, and he imparts some truth to us and we hear it and we say, man, that was great. Let me ask you, do you go out and just live your life and completely disregard and let go of all that was said? Or is there something in your heart and life that says, that's what I need to do. I'm going to embrace that. I'm going to apply what was taught and make a change in my life. That's what we've got to do if we want to pull down those walls. Those walls that Satan has up, they look insurmountable. They look, there's no way to take them down, but God can do it if we do it God's way. Some people might have thought, boy, this is dumb, walking around the city like this. They didn't know exactly how God was going to do it. They didn't know exactly how the battle was going to be won. But they heard, they believed, and they obeyed. Some walking around the city could have said, man, I thought God, I thought God said he was going to give us the city. Why do we have to do this? You know, God's won the victory already. But he wants you to get in the game. Oh, he's won the battle already. He's going he's gonna to pull the wall down. But you've got to get engaged. You've got to become part of his plan in the 4th century, there was a courageous pastor and theologian by the name of John. He suffered under the Roman Empire great persecution and ultimately was martyred for his faith. And he said this, You are but a poor soldier for Christ if you think you can overcome without fighting and suppose that you could have the crown Without the conflict. You are but a poor soldier. If you think. That you could have the crown. Without the conflict. We want to see God do great things. And, and he has promised us the victory. He's going to bring about. A measure of deliverance. That will stand back and say man. Wow I can't look what God did. But you've got to get in. And do your part. You've got to be obedient. You've got to apply. God has won the battle, but you've got to get out there and do it. The onlookers from the city probably thought, boy, this is the most unusual tactic we've ever seen. We've never seen somebody try and conquer the city this way, just get out and walk around it. You know, the world is not going to understand what you're doing through faith. It's not going to make sense to them. Sometimes your family is even going to come and say, why do you do that? You're nuts. It doesn't make sense when you're having a hard time paying your bills for you to give anything to God. That's right. That doesn't make sense. Why are you doing that? Because I heard, I believed, and I want to obey. And we're going to see God pull down the walls. Some of you are facing some financial battles, some financial walls. If you would have enough faith to trust God with your finances and be obedient to him and do what he says with regards to giving, you could see him pull down those walls. You could see victory. I'm, I'm telling you that from a place of testifying, not, not even from the scripture. I'm telling you what God's done in my life. And there's people that have said amen in here and all over this room that would testify to the same thing. 
that you can't outgive God. And God will take that 90% and make it go for 110%. He'll multiply it in ways that you can't even understand. But you've got to believe and you've got to obey. There's so many things that we look at from the world standpoint and we say, man, it doesn't make sense. But God said, this is what you're supposed to do. You know, everybody thought David was kind of foolish to walk out onto that battlefield with a sling. Everybody thought, man, look at this boy. Even Goliath. <laughs> what am I, a dog? But you see, God had already won the battle. He was just looking for somebody that would believe and go out there and do it. That's what we need. So we see the the deliverance in Joshua chapter 6, verses 20 and 21, 22. He says, so the people shouted when the priest blew with the trumpets. And it came to pass when the people heard the sound of the trumpet and the people shouted with a great shout and the wall fell down flat. So that the people went up into the city, every man straight before him, and they took the city. And they utterly destroyed all that was in the city, both man and woman, young and old, and ox and sheep and ass, and the ed- with the edge of the sword. But Joshua had said unto two men that had spied out the country, Go into the harlot's house and bring out thence the woman and all that she hath, as ye swear unto her. You see, the promise was accepted, the victory that God had promised to them. You see, it's by faith that Jericho was taken. It's by faith the victory is won. It's by faith that the walls are pulled down. You might remember over there in Hebrews 11, that chapter of faith. Hebrews 11, verse number 30 says, By faith the walls of Jericho fell down after they were compassed about seven days. It's by faith, beloved. Believing, hearing, believing, and obeying. And that is what faith is. Believing the walls of Jericho were no problem for God. They fell, the Bible says they fell flat. I mean, the greatest demolition crew in the country can't do that. There's still going to be a big pile of mess. It's got to be cleaned up that you've got to climb over. God's word said that walls fell down flat. They just walked in. Beloved, for with God, nothing shall be impossible. The people had to believe and obey. Do you know who the victorious Christians are? They're not the ones with some supernatural ability to defeat the powers of darkness. No. The victorious Christians are those who know the promise They believe God and obey. That's the victorious Christians. Are you willing to do that today? You see, they began this process all the way back in chapter number one. In chapter one of Joshua, verse number eight, if you want to see it, you can turn there. He says, this book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. 
He says, hey, when you decide to follow and obey what's in the book, you're going to do what God wants, and the walls are going to come down. Obedience, beloved, is faith in action. That's what faith is. Faith is obedience. You could say faith expresses itself in obedience. There was a proper application. You and I, beloved, we may never capture Jericho in the sense that something so magnificent, something that we're we, we probably not going to be a group of people that are going to march around some walls and see some, some walls fall to the ground. In the literal sense of this story here, as Joshua was privileged to do so, but beloved, every day in our lives, we face spiritual enemies. We face walls that have been erected that keep us from being what God wants us to be. The only way for us to grow in our faith is to accept the challenge of God, to trust God, and to obey him for the victory. Can I ask you this morning, has Satan put some walls in front of you? Is there some wall that's hindering you from being what God wants you to be? Some wall that God uh, needs to pull down for you? You have one of two options. You can turn back head back towards Egypt, spend your life wallowing in the wilderness. Or you can say, you know what, God, I know what you've promised to me is on the other side of those walls. And boy, I would love to get there. Give me the faith and just help me obey because we're going to head that direction. We're going to see God do it. Have you allowed a wall to be built in your life? Something that stands between you and the promised land. Well, God can take it down. And he would love to begin to do so today. You know, it's one thing to say that I believe it's possible. It's another thing to actually do it. You know, if I had my checkbook here, I don't even know. I suppose we have a checkbook still. <laughs> Mary says, yes, we do. Um, we don't, I mean, you don't need checks very much anymore. So much stuff digital, but let's say I had my checkbook here and I wrote a check for a hundred dollars and gave it to Anna. Would you be excited? Definitely. So everybody here saw me do it. I wrote it out, signed it and handed him the check for a hundred dollars. Now he would have that check he could say, well, I believe that pastor did this. But until he takes that check and cashes it, he has not exercised that belief. You understand? Do you see the difference? And there's a lot of people that believe in the ability of God to do great things for them, but they've never cashed the check. They've never taken what God said could be theirs and said, okay, God promised me this. I'm tired of living without it. I'm tired of just carrying the check in my wallet. I'm going to go to the bank and cash that thing. And I'm going to see God do something great. I'm going to see the walls come down.